0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Nintendo Everything Refresh, the weekly show where we keep you all up to date on everything new and exciting in the world of Nintendo. I'm your host Nick Serpa, joined today by the wonderful Nicholas Shade. Hello! And a, uh, a belated happy Easter slash happy Ramadan to all of our listeners who are celebrating. Um... Typically on these holiday weeks is things are a little bit slower in the in the gaming sphere. And I I'd, I'd say that was pretty true this week. But we did get one big I'd say
1: historical Nintendo milestone. Wouldn't you agree Nicholas? I mean, I don't know about that. We already had a first Mario movie after all. <laughs>
0: Yes, that's that's true, but this is this is a, a Mario movie for the the modern generation, the modern for, age <laughs> for modern children, yes, modern sensibilities. Yes, folks, this is the weekend of the Mario movie, the Super Mario Brothers movie, to be precise. and uh, yeah, it officially came out, I think it was on Wednesday. Uh, I saw the movie Wednesday night. I think you did too, Nicholas, right? Yep, same day. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, super exciting. Uh, this movie has been in the works for a long time and there were a lot of questions around it. And so, yeah, so in this week's episode, we're going to start things off by having a spoiler-y discussion. We're not, probably not going to go into all details of the movie, but if you haven't seen it yet, you might want to go watch it and then come back to this episode because we're going to be talking about a lot of our favorite moments Um, some of the interesting backstory and things like that, that were revealed in this movie. So, uh, yeah, lots to get into with that. And then we'll get into our, our normal news blocks after that. Um, but yeah, let's start off with the Mario movie. So, uh, Nicholas, just looking back,
1: how do you feel now that we've, we've finally seen this thing? Um, overall, I think it was a lot of fun. I think it definitely had a few issues, mostly in terms of the pacing, because I do think some scenes moved a little fast. Uh, And you can definitely criticize that it wasn't super deep and that it was just kind of a a reference fest. But at the same time, I think that's what made it really fun. (laughs) It was super fun, especially listening to the music and catching everything that they put in. Uh, The characters were honestly pretty well done. Bowser was a definite highlight, but everyone was good, really. Even um, Chris Pratt playing Mario actually put out a pretty good performance it really didn't sound like i was listening to chris pratt for the most part um honestly i just i really enjoyed it i thought it was really well done yeah i was i was really surprised
0: too with how much i enjoyed it overall i pretty much agree with everything you just said um yeah you know the voice acting there was a lot of hubbub about it before the movie came out and I don't know if they re-recorded lines or just tweaked things or what they did, but, um, but yeah, the voice acting was not nearly as distracting as I thought it was. Like, once I was actually sitting down watching the movie, I was able to just be like, oh, yeah, like, that's Mario. And um, I think that's a huge, huge, like, testament to how engaging this movie was. I do agree with you. It's not, it's not the deepest thing in the world. Do not go into this movie... <laughs> expecting a piece of, uh, <laughs> of Oscar-winning cinema. I-, I would be surprised if, uh, <laughs> if this thing brought any, any plot-related awards. Um, but yeah, overall, like, if you are a Mario fan, uh, and maybe even just, I would say, a Nintendo fan in general, there will be a lot to love in this movie. Um, it is definitely mostly just, you know, filled with Easter eggs and references, and there were some folks saying that, yeah, you know, we wish there was a little more character development, um, a little more actual, like, plot points. I will say, like, when I was sitting there watching it, there were a lot of, like, really impressive set pieces. And the animation mm-hmm. is just beautiful overall. But it, it really felt like almost like an amusement park ride in a lot of ways. Like, you're just going <laughs> from big action moment to big action moment. Um which is probably exactly what little kids wanna see. And I think that's ultimately <laughs> ultimately who they're trying to reach with this. <laughs> it's not gonna stop all of us adults from going and, and watching something
1: like this though, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it makes sense to, in that, to some extent. Uh there was just very little downtime in between everything happening.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it could have benefited from maybe an extra twenty minutes or so, um, where maybe they spent a little bit more time, you know. Uh, the start of the movie, I thought, was really well-paced. So this <clears> movie begins, and it was it was kind of, you know, shown off a little bit in the trailers, but it begins in uh, Brooklyn, New York, and we see one of the first things is uh, Mario and Luigi are just, they're just out in the real world. So they, uh, they... <laughs> You you see you see the, um, them talking with uh, this character named Spike, who may seem familiar <laughs> to uh, die-hard Nintendo fans, and um, he was their former boss, and and when they worked for the construction company, the uh, wrecking crew, you might say, the re- the wrecking crew, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but Mario and Luigi <laughs> have gone off and started their own plumbing business, and. Uh, there's a, there's a commercial on TV, uh, which we've seen in the trailers. And, um, and one of the big questions going in was, you know, is, is Charles Martinet going to be in, in this film? And he does. He does have some voice cameos mm-hmm. a couple different times um, early in the film. So that was cool to see. Um, but yeah, so one of the things that just shocked me about this movie was... And we're gonna, again, start getting into spoiler territory here. So you have been warned if you have not seen the movie. But um, one of the first things we see in this modern day Brooklyn is we get to see Mario's family. (laughs) Like, I was not mentally prepared for that. Like, was sitting down in Mario's family's apartment and them all sitting around eating dinner and we're like, oh my god, that's
1: his mom and dad. Like, is this canon now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that was definitely a shock. I think more than just the fact that it was the mom and dad, it's like it was the entire extended family.
0: Right. Like what? Is that like his like his niece? Like the
1: young little girl? Like what is going on here? I mean it makes sense right like if you're going to have a more traditionally structured movie you can't it's a little bit more difficult to have it just be yeah these characters just exist they came from the void (laughs) so giving a bit more of an origin I like that it's also it's not like that's going to massively change anything from the games or anything it's just yeah you know the they have parents now this is what they look like (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you're right that it's probably not going to have a real tangible effect on the games, but it still feels weird, like, I'm wrestling with this in my head, like, does this mean this is canon now? I mean, Miyamoto (laughs) was involved in this movie, like, are these Mario's canonical, like, parents? Like, I don't know, it's, I know it's not the most important thing in the world, but it just, I I can't stop thinking about it for some reason, (laughs) um, Anyways, you know, start of the movie, you know, Mario and Luigi, they go and they do a plumbing thing. Everything goes wrong. Mario's feeling all depressed. He goes into his room and plays uh, Kid Icarus on his NES, which.
1: Can we just, like, talk about that for a second? Like, of all Uh, the NES games that they chose to showcase, Kid Icarus! Not, you know, like Duck Hunt, which came bundled with Mario Brothers. Not Zelda. Not Metroid. Kid Icarus!
0: I, it's like, it's wonderful. They've acknowledged it exists, and it was a really funny moment too because Mario's feeling all down in the dumps, and then he's playing Kid Icarus and he dies, and it says "I'm finished" <laughs> on screen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I was I was laughing. No, I, I there love not it. A lot of people, yeah. There were not a lot of people in the theater with me when I went, which I was a little bit surprised on. Uh, but I the the guy next to me, I feel he he was chuckling at it too. He, <laughs> <laughs> the, and that was basically the whole, like, seeing this in theaters, I was just, like, looking around every time a reference came up and be like, wait, did other people catch this? <laughs> Am I yeah. the only one? <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, so yeah, the modern day stuff, I, I guess not modern day, we don't really know when it takes place, but the real world stuff. I mean, he's playing in NES, uh, so. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, the real world stuff was an interesting way to start the movie. I thought it worked really well. It definitely hooked me in. There were a ton of little references scattered around that section. Um, I was like bewildered when Luigi's phone rang and it was the, ga- the GameCube <laughs> startup sound. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, but then, of course, they they he does you know make his way into the Mushroom Kingdom. Um, we we some other stuff happens in that interim. I don't want to spoil the entire movie, but. Um, but yeah, eventually things happen. He gets whisked away to the Mushroom Kingdom with Luigi. And, uh, and yeah, we get to see our first glimpse of this just beautifully rendered Mushroom Kingdom. Like, really like we've never seen it before. Um, I was a little disappointed. You know, one of the first trailers we saw for this movie was uh, Mario coming out of a pipe and Toad coming up to him and being like, don't eat that mushroom, it's dangerous, you'll die, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'd really hoped that there would be a little more, like, lead-up in that opening scene. Yeah. But it really was, like, exactly like the trailer. They're just like, okay, you're here now. Things are going bad. Follow me, we're going on an adventure.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of... what it, When it, mentioning the pacing, that was one of the two big moments that stuck out to me, is just Mario arrives in the strange land, meets a strange mushroom man... <laughs> Mushroom Man is like, hey, come see our princess, and then they go.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, there were like, there was like maybe like two questions asked in that scene, and they're just like, don't worry about it. <laughs> <Come on>. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and I think that's a good representation of like the the level of plot for this movie. And you know, as much as I wish there was more story, I think some I someone made a good point on the internet. I don't remember who it was, but. <laughs> It does happen sometimes. People make good points (laughs) on the internet. Um, And it's just that, you know, the Mario games are, are usually not super story heavy. And so, you know, in a lot of ways, this does feel like a fairly faithful adaptation of the games. Like, between all the, you know, different platforming scenes that we see in the game, you know, the way that they represent the characters, but not really going super into detail on this big epic plot with all these hard-hitting emotional moments, Um, it does track with, you know, what they typically try and do in the games. And I think overall, like, even though the pacing of the story and the main chunk of the film was a little bit off for me, the fact that the intro was really strong, um, and I'd say the the back end of the film, I thought that was
1: pretty strong as well. Mm -hmm. It kind of made up for it for me. No, I agree. Um... Like you said, I really did like the opening. Uh, it had, They had the potential to make it very, <laughs> feel very off with it being a portal fantasy and everything, but it sets up very well just kind of what the characters are going through when they're in Brooklyn and then the transition into the Mushroom Kingdom. Uh, and I, like I said, I do think a few parts in the middle there go by a bit quick, but overall, I do really like what they did. Uh, a lot of the more action set pieces feel very well paced and well done like the um the fight with donkey kong or the rainbow road sequence everything that comes after that i didn't really have any issues with it felt like they executed that really darn well
0: yeah because i mean realistically like all the mario fans in the audience are just sitting there poring over every little detail and being like oh i know what that's from i know what that's from so when you're actually sitting there watching it, you're not really missing a lot of... You, you get what I'm saying? You don't, yeah. You're know, you not really feeling like you're missing anything. Um, let's talk about those set pieces a little bit, because there's a lot of them <laughs> in this movie. Um, did you see this movie in 3D, Nicholas? Uh, I did not. Just regular cinema screen. Okay, I'm just going to throw this out there to anyone listening. If you have not seen this movie yet, go see it in 3D, because... <laughs> I, I have not seen the movie in three D for a long time, and so maybe I'm just a little, um, little just like impressed because it's been so long. But three D technology in movies has apparently gotten really good since the last time I saw <laughs> one, and um, it made the movie just feel so much more immersive. I, I I'm sure it would have been great seeing it in two D, but with how just involved the set pieces in this movie are, how crisp the animation is. How vibrant everything is! I mean, watching it in three D, you really just—I was like on the edge of my seat the whole time. It was a really cool experience. Um, Yeah, so I think overall, like the set pieces were really impressive. Um, The big one is probably the the Mario Kart one towards Mm -hmm. the end, Um, which (laughs) feels a little tacked on for like story reasons. They're like, it's only one (laughs) way into Bowser's Kingdom. We got to ride, baby. And uh, <laughs> uh, but they do such a good job with it, man. Like from from them actually like building the carts and then um, all the, like the little like refer- like things that would actually happen in a race, like throwing items. I lost my mind when uh, they launched a blue shell. <laughs> <in the>
1: <laughs> <movie>. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was great. I, I did find that moment a little. Interesting because, like the—I mean, slight spoilers—it's one of the Koopas that turns into a blue shell and blows them up, and like he like sacrifices himself. Yeah, that Koopa's just gone; like he died. <laughs> <laughs> like that was an interesting decision.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is this is a PG movie. Come on, Nintendo. Uh, think of the children. Yeah, no, um, yeah, it was just was super bombastic and over the top. Really cool. Um, Yeah, like you mentioned, Nicholas, the the Donkey Kong fight scene, that was another good one. I'll be honest, that whole Donkey Kong segment of the movie felt kind of just... It didn't feel necessary to me. Mm. I mean, I liked, you know, that they were kind of bringing in some broader parts of the Mario universe and all that. But I don't think the film necessarily needed it. You know, like, they were kind of trying to establish, like... This emotional, you know, plot point with um, Donkey Kong being all like, you know, I can do more than just smash things. And we're like, okay, (laughs) like that's all you've done in the 10 seconds you've been on screen. So It just it felt a little tacked on to me. I don't know. But it was it was fun to
1: watch. I'll still say that. If I had to guess, it was probably a situation where they had already decided beforehand that they wanted to include... Donkey Kong in the movie as, like, one of the, one of the segments just to feature him as a character and just feature the Kongs in general, and so they just had to find some way to write it in and also add some kind of emotional arc so he's not just there, they try and give him some purpose. Um, Right. I agree the whole, like, character development for Donkey Kong kind of feels a little empty just because... Same thing as everything else. It's a little rushed pacing-wise. There's not really enough time to establish character relations super well. Uh, personally, I, I really did like the uh, when they're actually in the jungle kingdom. The fight itself is great. Just seeing the Kongs is great. I cannot believe that out of all the Kongs that they brought back in the audience, it was like Dixie Diddy, and then Chunky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> like, was incredible. Yeah, Chunky Kong confirmed canon. Um, <laughs> I, I will say, take take on me playing during the cart se- the karting segment, just throw me for a loop. That felt yeah. surreal.
0: Yeah, and not in a good way is is what I'm <laughs> picking
1: up from you. Uh, it was just very bizarre. I, it didn't completely break my immersion, but it was a very like, why are they putting this in here? <laughs> Because it's, I and like, that's the kind of stuff that I was a little
0: bit worried about because it's just not needed, you know? Like, you don't need all this licensed, you know, classic rock songs in this movie to make it better. It doesn't make it better, in my opinion. It, it was more of a distraction, if anything. I was like, oh, okay, so now we're listening to this other, like, super cliched song that's been in every movie ever. Mr. Blue Sky. Cool. <laughs> Never heard that song in a movie before during, uh waking up montage you know yeah um so it's just like
1: i don't know i think it would have been stronger without it there's so yeah. much great mario music that they could have pulled from you Yeah. Know? well see what makes that even more confusing is that they actually did make a track for that scene uh it's like a carding donkey kong country theme that uses the donkey kong country motif like they they have that it's been shared online like we know it exists but instead of using that they just decided to use take on me instead Right. So, Uh, They probably had some kind of, like, licensing
0: obligation, like some kind of contractual thing that they had... That's the only reason I can think of that Miyamoto, of all people, would be okay with (laughs) these licensed songs being in the movie. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But in general, though, the music was really, really good. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So many just... I mean, across, like, callbacks to the entire history of Mario... um, and even just more broadly, just the history of Nintendo. Um, yeah, I, I loved when, it, like, I would hear, you know, little, like, Mario Mario Galaxy is one of my favorite Mario games. And so every time I heard, like, a slight callback to that, I was just, I was over the moon. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, no. And, it... oh, my
0: gosh, what
1: what did they do to the Lumas in this movie? <laughs> I, I, see, I don't... I was kind of figuring maybe that the reason the Luma was there would be that um, by the end they would tie in Galaxy in some way or maybe they would hint towards a potential sequel being related to Galaxy. And so that's why they put a Luma in the middle of it. But no, they just had a <laughs> strange, nihilistic, death-seeking Luma.
0: Which, I mean, don't get me wrong, is hilarious. I mean, it, <laughs> I, it, someone mentioned they were like you know, at the end of Super Mario Galaxy, all the Lumas basically sacrifice themselves, so maybe this is just baked into their, <laughs> their personality. Like, oh, god, yeah. So, so and so, someone on Reddit was like, um, um, yeah, you know, this whole time Luma's just been leading like this, like, uh, cult of Lumas, like, to their death. <laughs> <laughs> this, like, completely changes the context. Um, oh, yeah, no, I really hoped we would see Rosalina in this movie and maybe get some more Amaro Galaxy tie-ins. But I can see that being maybe a little bit beyond the scope of what they were trying to do with this one. Yeah, it would make a a great fit for a sequel though, because they even say at the start of the movie, Peach says Amaro, she's like, "There's a whole, you know, there's so many galaxies out there." Yes, and
1: I was like, <laughs> "Oh, are they gonna do something?" Yeah, well, I absolutely agree. But then the. It makes the post credit scene really confusing. Because of all the... Like, again, spoilers. Of all the things they could have teased, I don't know why they teased Yoshi. <laughs> like, Yo- yeah. we had Yoshis in the movie. There's a part where they're traveling and we see them go through Yoshi Island and there's just a herd of Yoshis in the background. So... But not I just, the Yoshi. Not, not the, the Yoshi, Yoshi, admittedly. Girl, like. But, like... <laughs> I, like what? Where are they going with Yoshi as being a tease? Like, is this going to be a Yoshi's Island retelling? Like, I don't fully understand yeah. that.
0: Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it does seem like an odd choice, but I don't know. I guess there's a lot they could do with it. I mean, if they did go the galaxy route, which is what I'm hoping for in my headcanon, uh, Yoshi was like the big addition to Super Mario Galaxy, galaxy too. Mechanically, mm. So maybe they tie that in somehow, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's probably going to be a while until we get another, um, another Mario movie probably depends on how well this one does overall. Yeah. Um, okay. One, one more thing I want to make sure we get to, and that is, as you mentioned, Nicholas Bowser, just being probably <laughs> one of the best characters in this movie. Um, lots of
1: surprising moments with this one. Yeah, the villain side was just so, so fun. Bowser, Jack Black did a fantastic job acting as Bowser. There's so many just good character building moments uh, that really help distinguish him as being, you know, he's evil. But he's also like really goofy <laughs> in a very fun way. Um, the Peaches song is probably like the biggest thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, yes, I was not expecting
1: a Bowser
0: musical number. In this mm-hmm. movie, but I'm 100 percent here for it. <laughs> it,
1: uh, it was so good. It was so good having just this like uh, witch talking to the mirror on the wall dynamic of like <laughs> how, how is she think? How is Peach thinking of Mario? Does she like him? Is she impressed with him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the yeah. So um, the whole
0: overall like premise of this movie is Bowser wants to marry Princess Peach. And so he goes and he steals the this grand star and is gonna try and impress peach and woo her and if not then he's gonna destroy the mushroom kingdom and all that um and yeah i will say like well there were some definitely really funny moments with him i was also surprised like like there were moments where jack black was voicing bowser and reading some of these lines and i was like Wow, that's pretty
1: dark. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was a fantastic a moment... mix of being like yeah. genuinely comedic, but also actually threatening.
0: <laughs> yeah, like there was a moment where I feel like he flat out said, like, I'm gonna kill this person. And I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> you, know, you never hear Bowser talk like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, all those moments I think are just like a really good representation of this movie and Overall, when I left the theater, I was I was just feeling really good about it, and I was like, I think this was a great Mario movie. I think they they understood the assignment, as the cool kids like to say, <laughs> and uh, didn't do anything you know like crazy ground groundbreaking, but you know they checked all the right boxes. I think for most fans.
1: Yeah, it also makes it kind of funny because I think the critically the movie hasn't been reviewing super super well, um, and there's certainly some objective flaws to it, of course. Sure. But- Sure. Overall, like it's it's a fun movie. Like we mentioned, it has pacing issues and some other problems, but it's well done. The animation is great. The voice acting, for the most part, is really good. Uh, it's just a little it's a little confusing to me why it's been reviewing so poorly. I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think in a way it makes sense. You know, if you're if you're reviewing this movie and you don't have a lot of love or nostalgia for Mario, you're gonna look at it through a much more critical lens and you're gonna be looking at it as a film. And if you're looking at it as a film, yeah, there are a lot of, you know, glaring holes. If you're looking at it as like a piece of cinema and you're comparing it to every other movie out there, which is what a lot of film critics have to do, you know, that's their job. I can see where that mixed review is coming in from. But if you're looking at it from the perspective of, you know, This is a movie made for kids that has a lot of, you know, references that fans of the Mario movie are going to appreciate, you know, how good of a job does it do at being that, then you're going to come away from it with a much more positive perspective, I would Mm -hmm. say. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, overall, I think uh, I I would give it a positive review. I'd say if you haven't gone and seen it, uh, I know we just spoiled a lot of it if (laughs) (laughs) you listened to us anyways, but... Uh, yeah, I would say definitely go see it if you've been on the fence about it. It's, you'll, you'll have a good time for sure. Yeah,
1: it was it was super fun. Uh, if you have any interest in Mario at all, any knowledge of Mario's history, even if you're not like a huge Mario fan, you just know some things from it. It's it's worth seeing. Um, one last thing I wanted to bring attention to. Well, there were a couple things, but one thing I, I really wanted to bring attention to is that I love how they did the dry bones earlier on in the movie, where they made them oh, like yeah. a sort of zombie flick and. Genuinely, kind of scary.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Them and the shy guys. I was, I was impressed at how like they made them seem like actual like
1: threats. it was, yeah. was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, la- last thing was um, one thing I did not understand about the plot is why Bowser was thinking he was going to be able to rule the world with this superstar when we see later on in the movie that it makes you invincible for all of like thirty seconds. <laughs>
0: yeah I don't know. That's a good point. Maybe he was gonna like try and like harness its energy in some way. seems like something Bowser would try and do make some yeah. big star sucking machine. <laughs> no idea <laughs> again it, it's a Mario movie. It's not winning awards for plot. yeah um, <laughs> and frankly, you know again, considering all the criticism that has been kind of levied at Miyamoto for not liking stories that he said to come back and you know correct the record on a little bit. Um, I was surprised at the moments where they did kind of introduce some stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and I'm sorry, I know we're we're running longer in the segment, but another thing that I just want to mention, too, is, you know, so they talk about Mario and Luigi coming through the warp pipe at the beginning of the movie, and that's how they get into the Mushroom Kingdom, but they also show, and again, this is a spoiler, so if you're averse to spoilers, wait just a few more minutes, <laughs> then come back. Um... <laughs> They also show Princess Peach coming out of the warp pipe uh, in the movie. And you, we kind of learn more about her origin story, how she kind of stumbled into the Mushroom Kingdom as a kid and eventually became their ruler. And it's kind of implied that she might also just be a normal person from Brooklyn who somehow came down here and, you know... And so it's just... It's interesting. It, it kind of
1: it changes how I look at the games a little bit. Yeah. Because I I think that's the first time that's really been detailed. Why it is that peach is different from all of the totes. (laughs) Um, It is cool. I also do really like, like, t- kind of tied to this, how we do have a flashback sequence with Mario and Luigi where we see them as babies for a bit. <laughs> Just thought that was cute. Oh my gosh, that was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I, for what it's worth, I was pretty much laughing this entire movie or or gasping. So those are, a, those are good emotions, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> All right. Well, as much as I could talk about this movie for probably the rest of the episode, uh, we should switch into our headlines because there was some news this week. Not a lot of news, like I said, being a holiday week. Um, but the next major Nintendo game release is right around the corner, that being Advance Wars Reboot Camp. Um, finally got a release date in the latest N- Nintendo Direct not too long ago. Uh, we know it is coming uh, this month, actually, in April, um, just a few weeks away, uh, April 21st, and Uh, We got a overview trailer that gave us kind of five minutes of gameplay and talking about some of the new features. Most of it stuff we already knew about, but it was nice to have a little reminder of just how much stuff they're packing into this package. Um, I'm a little intimidated to be reviewing it, honestly, (laughs) because we don't don't typically get codes until the day the game comes out. And uh, these are massive games, man. We're talking like two full Advance Wars campaigns, which from what I've heard, seem to be fairly identical in in structure to their original games. But we've also got like a ton of like multiplayer modes. You've got a map builder this time around. Um, It it looks like a really good package. And I think fans of Advance Wars
1: are gonna be really excited for this, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) It's just nice to people say that the game is finally releasing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a journey, for sure. Yeah, uh, and it does look great. Uh, there's definitely been some people who haven't been super huge on the aesthetic, which is valid. Personally, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, the, the fact that they're making it kind of like a toy soldiers, <laughs> like a board game, I think is really cute and fun. And otherwise, just the general art style they've adopted for the character art is also really nice, in my opinion. Um, I don't know if I'm going to pick it up at launch just because I'm probably going to be pretty busy. And I'm also trying to budget for a Tears of the Kingdom OLED and Tears of the Kingdom itself. (laughs) Yes, yes. Decisions, decisions. Yeah, but this is this is looking really good. I'm absolutely going to have to pick this up at some point.
0: Yeah, this is one of those games that, you know, even if you don't pick it up right at launch, I mean, when you do pick it up, it's not going to have aged that much at all it's gonna you know it's just a good you know package of strategy challenges and um I'm not super familiar like if there's a super deep story in the Advance Wars games I know like there is some level of plot because I know the second game is like a direct you know sequel connection to the first game but I've never played Advance Wars before so I'm going in pretty pretty blind and um (laughs) I'm excited to see, you know, to me, like looking at it, the strategy overall, like it looks fun, don't get me wrong, I enjoy a good strategy experience, but it looks fairly simple. And I'm excited to be hopefully proven wrong by that. Mm-hmm. Um, or or I'd like to see, you know, even if it is simple, is there just some something fundamental about, you know, how these strategy mechanics play out that just makes it more fun? I mean, I do think the art style is going to go a long way in that. Um, This game is actually developed by WayForward and you can see that coming through in like the character animations and um, just the overall just attention to detail with the visuals and the style in this game. So I hope that that carries through into the flow of the combat a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I think overall this this is shaping up to be a good package, and then, yeah, once it comes out in a few weeks on April 21st, we will definitely be coming back at you with uh, our impressions while we work on our review. Um, another kind of just interesting news uh, announcement that came this week. Um, this one surprised me. So, one of the releases from last year. Uh, that really kind of landed in a surprisingly big way was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Cowabunga Collection. And uh, actually, was that last year? Or was that 2020? I can't remember. Uh,
1: I think it was yeah, last I think it was, year. I, I think it was last year, yeah.
0: Yeah. There was that game, and then there was also Shredder's Revenge, which is the new kind of entry in the TMNT Brawler saga. Um, but this package of remastered TMNT games uh, sold over 1 million copies they announced which kind of surprised me for some reason I mean I'm, I'm really happy to see it um, it's just not the type of game that I really just pictured in my head like having that kind of impact you know Yeah. So that's a pretty big milestone
1: yeah no absolutely it's I mean it's a <laughs> it's a collection of like what 30, 40 year old uh, beat em ups <laughs> It is TMNT themed, so all that obviously helps it, but like all things considered, this is a relatively niche and small package, and a million copies is a lot for that to be selling. Uh plus it's right. like Konami's first million seller in like god knows how long, so <laughs> Oh, that's right.
0: I forgot this was a Konami game. Yeah, You're it's right. published yeah, by that's them. Crazy. Um Yeah, and it was also surprising because I just feel like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are not, you know, the major brand nowadays that they used to be. But clearly there's a lot of nostalgia for it. And um, it's also just cool to see, like, a retro collection selling that well. I mean, retro collections, when they're, like, super big IPs like Mario, like, of course they'll sell well. But, you know, something like this. I mean, we get so many, you know, Capcom, you know, repackages and... Um, and I just, I don't really recall a lot of them having this kind of success. So yeah. it gives me hope that some of these older games will continue to get re-released. And another exciting tidbit, this one is Nintendo related. Uh, we finally got an update on the Xenoblade Chronicles 3 soundtrack, uh, as well as the soundtrack for Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. Um, Nicholas, I'm sure you're over the <laughs> moon about this. Oh, I am! I am vibrating in my chair. <laughs> Oh gosh, um, so these are these are physical soundtracks though, and they're only confirmed for Japan right now. So that makes it uh, honestly, it's about it's about what I expected. Yeah. We had a conversation previously about Nintendo soundtracks and how they're kind of weird about them, and I just I still really don't get it. I mean, it's cool that these soundtracks are getting physical releases, but like no one's going to be able to get them, you know?
1: Well, okay, so two points. One, I do agree. It's very frustrating how so many of Nintendo's soundtracks are only released physically in Japan, uh, if even at all. There's very few soundtracks they right. make that are released digitally. However, I do want to point out for these specifically, uh, the website you can order them from does ship internationally to, uh, I, d- I know definitely the U.S., I know definitely Europe. So you can actually put in a pre-order for these and have them delivered to wherever you live, even if you're not in Japan, which is also what I did. Um, mm, okay. So you so can obtain not an obtain official
0: it. Western release. Not an official Western release, but basically the next best thing.
1: Yeah. There's still some bits because these are—there's a few different products that they announced here. Essentially, they announced the uh, just the basic Definitive Edition soundtrack, which, as a side note— I'm so happy that's finally available after waiting like three years <laughs> because the yeah, film came yeah. out in 2020. Um, but yeah, so there's that basic soundtrack. There's the basic Xenoblade 3 soundtrack. There's a limited edition Xenoblade 3 soundtrack, which comes with a booklet with a bunch of like little additional tidbits, most of which are in Japanese, so eh. Uh, but it also mm. does come with some scale models of the flutes used by the main characters in game, which is pretty neat. And then, uh, last option is some giant bundle that basically includes all of the music from Xenoblade 1, 2, and 3, and the respective expansions. So, there's a lot on offer here you could theoretically get.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's, it seems like a good package. Um, just, at least for me personally, I mean, I, I, Nicholas, I have to ask, like, do you listen to a lot of, like, physical CDs still? Because... For me personally, like, I, I just have not touched a CD in God knows how long. Um,
1: for, yeah, for the most part, no. Basically, what I'll do is I'll keep the, the boxes and the CDs as, like, collector's items. Otherwise, I'll take the music from the CD and I'll just download it to my phone so I can listen to it from there. Uh, I'm probably hmm. one of the rare few people out here that doesn't regularly use something like Spotify. So, <laughs> I still just listen to things normally on my phone.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, that's, it's really interesting to me, because, yeah, like, everyone I know is on, like, the streaming services nowadays, and, like, for me, like, I have a, I build this massive playlist where I just dump every video game soundtrack that I enjoy into this playlist, when I'm feeling nostalgic, I could just put it on shuffle, and I love it. So, yeah, like, for me, like, if something doesn't get, like, a streaming release, it almost just, like, might as well not ex- have been released at all. Mm-hmm. Um you're right I I completely could go through in my head I'm like yeah I could actually I could I could buy a CD and dump it to my PC and put it on my phone but then I realize I don't have a CD reader so actually (laughs) I don't know how I would do that I would have to probably buy like an external one it's just crazy Nintendo if you're listening to this please just give the people what they want make your music accessible
1: oh what's that don't copyright take strike the YouTube all of the
0: music soundtrack videos <laughs> i know i know yeah it makes me sad yeah <laughs> it, it, i i used that for a while and i knew i knew they were eventually gonna get taken down but um but yeah that's my hope you know and I, someone had previously suggested like Maybe that could be like a Switch Online benefit. Like, if Nintendo <laughs> released like their own music streaming app or whatever, and it was only available to Switch Online members, that might be a that'd be a Nintendo way to go about it, don't you think? Yeah, uh, I
1: would be a little concerned <laughs> about the quality of the app, given um, you know Nintendo's general history yeah. with online services. But better than nothing, though, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. I guess these CDs are better better than nothing too. Yeah, um, I, I mean only marginally I, for me, but <laughs> I will say, uh, Trinity, the Trinity Box, which has the, the music from all of the games, is like twenty CDs, so <laughs> there's a lot here. Didn't I'm very exciting. Yeah,
0: if I recall correctly, didn't the 3DS version of Xenoblade have a music player in, yes. in it?
1: Yeah, the 3DS version specifically had a model viewer and a music player, which I think you unlocked with play coins of all things. I
0: I do yes, I remember hearing about that. So yeah, hey, there's your portable alternative. If you want to hear <laughs> the Xenoblade soundtrack, just yeah, whip just out your 3DS,
1: pull out my 3DS like you know, an iPod Shuffle, spend some play coins. <laughs> yeah, just you yeah, know, one hundred percent. Listen to Xenoblade. You can listen to uh, Smash Brothers for 3DS that also had like a playback mode. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what more could you do? That is,
0: that's the thinking man's solution to listening to Nintendo music. <laughs> um, the Switch can do it too. I always forget. It, it, in the Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, there's a similar thing. Yeah, a uh, little bit harder to fit in your pocket, though. Turn off the screen. Yeah, you know, you might be able to fit into like a jacket pocket or something if you're uh, if you're clever. Although that, now there's Bluetooth headphone support finally, so. Mm you can just throw it in your bag. (laughs) You know, I might actually have to try that just out of morbid curiosity. (laughs) I think I, I'm, I'm not even joking with you. I think I'm, I'm going to like reinstall smash, take my switch with me on my commute sometime soon, put on my Bluetooth earbuds and see if that's actually a viable way to listen to music. (laughs) Oh, Godspeed. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Um, all right, let's switch over to our game announcements and updates, uh, again, slower week, but definitely some stuff of note. Uh, on the first party front, Switch Online is still getting releases. They're coming at a snail's pace, but we're, we're still getting them. Um, the latest announcement is for the N64, which is part of the expansion pack. We knew this one was coming, we just didn't know when, but now we have an official release date. Uh, Pokémon Stadium is officially hitting the Switch Online Expansion Pass April 12th, so it might actually already be out by the time you're listening to this. Uh, mm-hmm. Stadium 2 is also coming. We haven't heard anything about that one. I don't know why they wouldn't just release them together, but <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a this is a cool one. This is a game that uh, is not really available anywhere else right now. Well. None of them are available anymore since they shut down the virtual consoles. But uh, <laughs> Rip. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I've uh, I've never played this one. Um, there's a lot of Pokemon games I haven't played, but this one seems kind of cool. You know, as a weird relic of N64
1: history. Yeah, no, I it's definitely cool. Um, this is a this is one that I haven't played either, but I've always heard a lot of people speak fondly of it. Um, it will probably be missing a bit of. So, basically, uh it's not going to have the ability to transfer Pokémon from the like the red and blue versions, so it's going to be missing some of that appeal mm-hmm. because you won't be able to use like your own team. But I think even outside of that, um I've heard some people say they really enjoy the modes that are on offer. I think there's a bunch of mini games you can play with friends. Uh there's like a yeah. whole tournament cup you can do.
0: Yeah, it it looks like a good time. Um it seems, from what I've heard, it's not really... It's not, like, a traditional Pokemon RPG. No. It's more, like, you're going from battle to battle, essentially. Yeah. I mean, right? I think it's kind for of... the
1: most part, it was kind of made as just a way of... Uh, similar to something like Battle Revolution on the Wii. It was basically, hey, look at your... These are Pokemon in 3D. Like, look at how cool Pokemon Here are in 3D. So, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um and it worked <laughs> it did it worked in, in some ways it's arguably still better than some of the modern pokemon games so oh dear oh no <laughs> let's not go down go down that path um
0: but yeah cool little piece of history uh and yeah it should be on switch online by the time you're listening to this yep also we'll have uh, online we also... multiplayer through the switch online which is a pretty neat little feature. yes I I do still find that feature cool. I I don't think it gets talked about really enough. We talked about it a little bit with Goldeneye, but, yeah, the fact that you now have online multiplayer for all these games that never had it, you know, it wasn't even possible for a lot of them at the time. Um, And now it's just, like, baked into the hardware is super cool still. Um so yeah, so that's pretty neat. Uh, on top of that, we finally got a release date update for the Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster Collection. Uh, these are remasters of Final Fantasy 1 through 6. So <laughs> if you pick this, this <laughs> bundle up, you will be busy for a long, long, long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they... I've never played any of these older Final Fantasy games, and... Frankly, I think I would have a hard time returning to them um, (laughs) at this point. I I mean, I've enjoyed a lot of the, you know, the PS2-era ones. I really started getting into Final Fantasy with Final Fantasy X, which, to me, like, already felt like an old game at the time. So I can't imagine (laughs) going back to anything much older than that. Um, Right. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, accessibility... You can now play almost every mainline Final Fantasy game on the Switch, which
1: is crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I, Despite being an RPG fan, I have a big kind of gap in my knowledge when it comes to older RPGs, which I just have never played. So I'm really looking forward to actually being able to try a lot of these, which haven't been re-released in a, an easily accessible or really well done way in quite a while and they fixed the fonts i cannot believe that they fixed the fonts but they fixed the fonts and that alone is making me want to buy these
0: yeah were people really this upset about the fonts i mean i i looked at the original screenshots pre-fix and yeah i mean it didn't look great but would that really
1: do you think keep people from picking up this collection they did like the font I mean, there was a lot of complaints, even like personally, I think rather than buying these, I would have sooner gotten the Steam versions, which similarly have terrible fonts and just gotten mods for them because it's, eh, I really don't like it. <laughs> it it makes it feel like, um, it's basically not the best way of playing the game. Like this is a, mm. not the best way they could have released it. For just because of something like the fonts which was an easy fix which would have been a very silly yeah. thing to just not address at all because <laughs> the fonts were made for uh the mobile versions and in that respect it makes sense because you have a much more limited screen estate you need things to be bigger and more visible that doesn't apply mm-hmm. to when you're porting it uh and thankfully they actually recognize this <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's great that they listened to the fans on this one. Um, It would seem like a a silly thing to uh, not be able to fix, but I don't know, man. I don't know much about game development. Maybe adding in a font was a (laughs) huge task for some reason. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, no, so overall, if you're a Final Fantasy fan and you're looking to go back in time a little bit, this is a really cool package. Yeah.
1: um also important note <laughs> an important note here um because these are old rpgs so they get very grindy and some of the encounter rates can be just busted uh and those are things you can adjust here to just kind of limit the, the actual grinding you have to do which i'm sure for some of these entries is going to be very very appreciated
0: yeah and but see like that's the kind of stuff that i'm like man like if i have to like put a game on like 4x speed to enjoy it should I really even be playing this game like you get what I'm saying you know right like if I have to go into the settings to like turn off a fundamental feature of your game's
1: gameplay because it's annoying is it really a game that I want to be playing I get that but at the same time like these are games designed in like the 1980s back when the concept of how to make people play a game was basically make it as tedious as possible so they play as long as possible (laughs) Um right. And that's not necessarily inherent design. Like if you remove that, it doesn't change the nature of the game. It just makes it less tedious. I think that that's just my opinion, mm. at least.
0: No, that's a good take on it. Um Yeah, especially just nowadays where there every game is competing for your time in a big way. You know, for me to sit down with an RPG, which I would like to do more of, but you know, there's just such big experiences, I'm like, I really have to be selective about what I what I play, I feel like. And so, yeah, so I think that's what, probably why I won't be getting to these, but I'm glad you're excited for them. It is certainly a really convenient way to relive some of the history of this franchise. I mean, I really can't imagine a better way to play it than on the Switch in this case. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's, that's exciting. We finally have that coming out. Um... This was one I wanted to shout out. Um, this is a, a new indie game that was announced this week. Um, I haven't seen a lot of people talking about it, and it just, it made me smile immediately. So I, I wanted to shout it out. This game is called Lil Guardsman, and the concept is it's basically papers, please, but in a fantasy setting, and you're a 12-year-old kid. So, <laughs> so I, I, it's bizarre, and it's hilarious. like. If that sounds interesting to you, please go watch the trailer. It's really funny. Um, yeah, so like, your the premise is like, I guess your dad is like the, the gate guard for this fantasy town, and he like has to go do something else. So he puts you in charge for a while. And um, And yeah, you're like, you have to like, you know, just like in papers, please people come in, they're like, oh, they might have a sob story or they might have a legitimate reason. So you have to like check them over and make sure they're okay to come in. Um, But then, you know, you might get orders from the queen or whatever being like, hey, we can't let any more people in today. And then you have to make all these moral decisions, but also you're a 12 year old. And (laughs) so I think there are some funny situations that are gonna come from that. It looks really cool.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the art style is really charming. And honestly, it's a little funny, I mean, that we haven't gotten more, like, Papers, Please-like games, because that, that was just such a phenomenon when it released. <laughs> yeah. And it definitely feels like something you can do a lot with, with different scenarios settings, which is what this is doing.
0: Yeah, it's, it, yeah, Papers, Please is, like, a very, I'd say, uh, it, it's, it's a political game, for sure. Whereas, and, you know, that's great. I mean, I don't have any problem with that inherently, but... This is like a a lighter take on that genre. Like if you enjoyed the idea of that gameplay, but you don't necessarily like, you know, that particular theming of that game. Yeah. Yeah. No, you have another way to do it. So, so yeah, I'm excited for this one. This one is definitely going to be on my radar uh, Mm -hmm. for later this year. Uh, We don't know when it's coming out yet, but they have penciled it in for 2023. So yeah, that is uh, go wishlist it if you're interested. And then one final update that we wanted to give. So this has kind of been slipping under the radar, uh, but there's a new Harvest Moon game that was quietly announced at the end of last year with very little details. Uh, This game is called Harvest Moon, The Winds of Anthros. And we still don't really know a lot about it. Um, Information has kind of been slowly trickling out. But apparently this Harvest Moon game is supposed to launch sometime this year and it officially got confirmed for the switch uh this past week we assumed it was coming to switch because most harvest moon games nowadays do it would kind of be crazy not to (laughs) uh but now we know for sure and yeah uh we still don't have a trailer or anything but we do have some screenshots for this game and it certainly looks like a big graphical step forward for the harvest moon franchise um looks much closer to like a, a modern day what i would expect from a modern day harvest moon game whereas we've been getting a lot of top down ones which are fine but a lot of folks have been very disappointed with the art direction that they have taken the harvest moon games in recently and um this looks a lot more palatable to me personally yeah
1: I mean, honestly, it kind of looks like a fan mock-up someone would have made, like, five, ten years ago of, like, a (laughs) next-gen HD Harvest Moon. Okay, okay. Not in a bad way. It looks great. (laughs) But you're not wrong, though. Yeah,
0: I see what you're saying. Um, No, and it sounds like it's going to be pretty big in scope, too. They're saying um, in in the PR for this game, they're saying that you get to discover five unique towns with their own seasons, terrain, and villagers. Um, so it sounds like there's a lot more exploration elements in this game than uh, than their husband in more recent entries. Um, obviously, you've got your typical, you know, you're doing your farming, you're caring for your livestock and all that. There's still bachelors and bachelorettes that you can <laughs> fall in love with and try and marry. Um so yeah, it as far as we're aware, we, we, it's a pretty standard Harvest Moon game, but mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how this one turns out, see if it can turn around people's perceptions of this franchise a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's it certainly looks really... Uh, I'm not a big Harvest Moon guy, but the game looks really charming, uh, and visually it it definitely impresses. <laughs> I don't know that this will be something I, ch- I will check out just because I'm not big farming sim person but it looks like something that um, fans of the series probably will really look forward to. Yeah,
0: well, and even just fans of the genre. Like, I'm not super well-versed in Harvest Moon myself. I think I might have played one back on the DS when I was a kid, but I only have a vague memory of it. Um, But I did last year try and play Rune Factory 5, and it was a good game, but it was really messy, and it was really rough around the edges. It's probably gotten a little bit better since then, But it was just a little too, like, even though I liked it, it was a little too janky for me to want to stick with it long-term. Like, it it wasn't going to become my, like, you know, the farming game in, you know, quotes for me. Right. Um, But this, like, just based on what I'm seeing in the screenshots, it looks to be a more polished experience. We won't really know until it's in our hands, but um, I could see this being one that potentially hooks me in a little bit deeper if it's, if it's done well. Hopefully we'll get some more information on this one soon. I would love to see a trailer sometime this summer, hopefully, fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. In terms of recent releases, uh, again, a bit of a slower week, but definitely some stuff we want to shout out. The biggest release of this week, uh, which we have talked about in a previ- previous episode, is the remaster of Grim Grimoire which is one of Vanillaware's uh, older games that hasn't been re-released um, since its original release. I think it was originally a PSP game that I A uh, PS2, correctly. I think. Okay, PS2. Um, and yeah, I, um, I'm really interested in this one. I really like some of Vanillaware's other games. Um, last year I played 13 Sentinels Aegis Room for the first time, and it was... I think I might have made it my game of the year. It was it was a great, great game. Um, really impacted me. And this is a very different type of experience. It's um, it's still strategy, but it's taking on a different perspective. It's like a from a side-scrolling pers- perspective, a strategy experience. Um, and the premise is totally different. Um, it's you know you're a student at this magician academy. Um, I I really don't know too much about the story, (laughs) but this game has a huge um, fan, like, I would say, like, a cult following among, like, VanillaWare fans, and, uh, so it's nice to see it made accessible, and I I am curious about it.
1: Yeah. There is a demo for it out uh, on the eShop that you can try out right now. I believe it also has save data transfer. I played it... Oh, very cool. I played it a few weeks ago, um... I'm not like an RTS person usually, I'm not a huge fan of real-time strategy games. This was still fun though and I wanted to try it out because it's Vanillaware and I really like the visuals. Um, For the most part, it seems pretty fun and deep and engaging. I read up on it a bit. Uh, It looks good. (laughs) I'm sure people who are fans of the genre and want something that has a bit more of like a, a fantasy aesthetic to it will probably enjoy this quite a bit. Uh, visuals, like mentioned, are really, really good. That's kind of little LittleWare's trademark. And um, also, I hope that this... I've mentioned this before. I hope this leads to them releasing more of their older games like Odin Sphere and Muramasa on Switch. Right. Okay, so since you mentioned you've played it, maybe you can help me,
0: because clearly I don't know a lot about this game. <laughs> t- yeah. trying to find ways to talk about it. Um, so the actual like strategy gameplay... It looks like you're, like, placing units on the various floors of, um, of this,
1: like, of this magic school and, like, trying to yep. defend certain points. Is that roughly how it plays out? Yeah, essentially. You have, like, summoning circles, which are essentially your bases that you have to defend. Uh, there's crystals, which you use minions to collect resources from, which allow you to summon new minions. And the goal is essentially to—well, the goal differs based on the stage— but generally, it's either to survive a certain amount of time or it's to defeat all of the enemy's magic circle. So you summon your minions, they go through the floors, you go find the enemies, beat them up, defend your own circle, rinse and repeat. <laughs>
0: okay. And is it, like, a very story-heavy like story heavy game, or is it more
1: just like there's, like, a general uh, premise from what you can glean yeah, so far? Yeah, I would say it has a fair bit of story. Um, there's a good amount of characters between every chapter, there's a couple of like story interludes. Uh the main crux of the story is essentially you're like you mentioned, you're this new student at this magic academy. Uh and this there's this like evil sealed wizard guy that's basically unleashed and starts murdering everyone. Uh and once you get killed, you basically get looped back to five days in the past on the first day that you got to the academy. And so it ends Ooh. up with this kind of time loop story where You spend five days, fight the wizard, get looped back, spend five days, etc. And each new sequence of five days is a different set of the story. It's not just like repeating events. You actually do experience different story and learn more of the characters every single loop. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that sounds cool. It sounds a little bit different. Like, I feel like it's the kind of thing I would have to play to really understand. So I might have to go check out the demo and see if I can get a better grasp on it. But. (laughs) But yeah, regardless, a very cool piece of video game history, uh, and it is now available on Switch. So go check it out if you're interested. Uh, This is an indie game I wanted to shout out that fell onto my radar this past week. This is called The Library of Babel, Babel? I never know how to pronounce that. Um, But yeah, this is cool. It's a 2D stealth platformer, and it takes place in kind of this suedo-futuristic, dark jungle fantasy setting. And um, it's notable to me just because we don't get a lot of stealth platformers. Um, one of my favorite examples of that genre was a game called uh, Deadlight, which wasn't a complete stealth game, um, but that, that game came out back on the 360 game and there was a lot of sneaking around and trying to It was like set in like a zombie apocalypse scenario, but it was all from a 2D perspective. It was super cool. And um, this looks super different than that, but the art style is really just eye catching to me. Um, They're saying it's also kind of like a, like a choice based experience. Um, And it looks just really just unique to me. I haven't really seen anything with this particular art style trying to accomplish this type of gameplay before. it all looks very just mystical and mysterious, <laughs> so I'm
1: I think this looks great. Yeah, I'm not familiar with it. Uh, I haven't seen this before, but it does look really nice visually, and like you mentioned, the setting, I think the setting's kind of interesting. I don't know how often it is that you get these dystopian, you know, players of, of like robots that have taken over society, but at the same time, this is a very jungle ro- like. <laughs> Very, uh, tropical jungle sort of setting.
0: Yeah, you just don't see that super often. Yeah. Apparently, it's also based on a short story. Um, oh. Which I, I'm not familiar with. <laughs> it says it's inspired by the short story of the same name by, uh, George or Jorge, maybe? Luis Borges. So... Maybe there's some literature nut out there who can give <laughs> me some context on this. Yeah. But, um... That Venn yeah, diagram super... of people is, uh, in love with this <laughs> really, game. Really, really small. Yeah. <laughs> the the Venn diagram of people who listen to this podcast and have read that short story. <laughs> yeah. I'm not optimistic. Um, yeah. Right now it's getting mixed reviews on Steam, so it's probably not something I'll, I'll pick up right away. But, um, yeah. It looks unique nonetheless. And then one last game I want to shout out before we start wrapping things up. Uh, the concept is simple: you take photos of dogs. I'm sold. Are you sold? Where can it? I get this? Yeah. Uh, over on the Switch eShop. <laughs> no, uh, this game is called Paparazzi, and I think it's also on Game Pass if I remember correctly. Uh, it's been out for a little while, and it it really is exactly what I described. You are you are taking pictures of dogs and making them look cute. Um, there might be more of a narrative premise to it. I don't know. I don't even know if it matters. Yeah, I don't think I it, don't think it does. No, and, and and these are not realistic dogs either. These are uh, dogs uh, that are wonderfully, you know, chunky in the polygon department. <laughs> um, they are often wearing funny costumes and hats or lounging on beach chairs and carrying oversized things i mean it's it's wonderful
1: yeah i think this was shown uh either in an indie world or when they were doing all of the indie game reveals around christmas i remember them mentioning this um this looks really fun i think at the time i was a little curious how much there would be to it because i hadn't seen it didn't look like there was that much variety, but looking at the just like the trailer they've released and some of the screenshots now, it actually looks pretty fun. It looks like there's a good variety in terms of the different scenarios and the ways you can interact with the dogs. So, <laughs> this actually looks really charming and fun.
0: Yeah, plus it also just looks like kind of a fun world to explore and I mean, you're just going to see dogs in fun silly situations, I mean. Yeah. If you've been feel if you just come came off the dead space remake or Resident Evil Evil 4 this uh, <laughs> this will be a good good way to calm you down after a stressful stressful gaming session I would say. <laughs> all right folks well that almost wraps up our show. Thank you again to all of our listeners. Um, this is our 50th episode I think I mentioned at the start of the show which is pretty big milestone. so um, we've been doing this probably over a year at this point. I don't remember exactly when we when we hit a year of episodes, but yeah, 50 episodes is, is a big deal to all of us. So thank you to everyone who has been listening and supporting this. We really appreciate it. Uh, but before we go, we will end with our, again, recently renamed segment, Refresh Rates, and chat about the games that we have been playing lately. Uh, Nicholas, let's start with you. What have you been playing this past week?
1: So I've been pretty busy I haven't had time to play much but uh starting yesterday i <laughs> tried out uh the pocket card jockey mobile port that was released a few weeks ago um and i'm starting yes. to consider that might have been a mistake because i am spending way too much time <laughs> playing that <laughs> yeah that's
0: the one that's over on apple arcade
1: Exa- yeah exactly um it's really fun I've mentioned before, I think Pocket Card Chalky is, like, one of the best games Game Freak has put out in God knows how long, and I maintain that. And having it on my phone on the go is very dangerous.
0: <laughs> yeah, it 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 looks like a great port. Is it a straight-up port from me, as far as you can tell, or are they adding in some new content? Yeah,
1: it's definitely enhanced. Uh, visually, I, it has some new elements. I think just the... The UI and the way it's structured is a little different. Uh, it does have new content. Sure. I know there's some new horse breeds. Um, the core of the game is the same because there's only so much you can do with horse racing and Solitaire. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, right. But it feels really good. Um, just being able to replay that on a, I guess, modern <laughs> platform, if you want to call it that, is really fun. Yeah. I hope this gets a Switch release. That would be fantastic it would make so much sense i
0: mean for that now that it has a non-dual screen version it would only make sense
1: for it to come at some point yeah um although i will say having a touch screen does feel really important i don't know how well it would control with just pure buttons uh but i mean even then hmm. the switch does have a touch screen in portable mode so yeah no
0: those are good points um yeah, I've been wanting to play this one. I have considered the Apple Arcade version for the reason you mentioned, just the enhanced visuals, but also the, just the accessibility of always having it in my pocket. But this game was originally built for the 3DS and I did buy it on there before the eShop shut down. And so I I might check it out there um, because I, I, I feel like I feel like this is a game that was, that was I mean, it, it was, it was originally built for that system. And so, um, I, I might give it a shot on there sometime soon, but um, it's a fairly deep experience from what I've heard. Like, it's a good 20 to 40 hours, depending on how much you
1: want to get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a lot you can do in terms of just breeding horses, racing, going for all the different cups. Um, if you really wanted to do everything, I'd imagine it's a very lengthy experience, but even if not, it just has that very kind of addictive, just one more race quality to it. <laughs> that makes it really easy to just get lost in yeah that sounds great um yeah i definitely want to check that out
0: soon uh, for my part this past week or so um there's a lot of stuff i'm kind of like halfway through that i don't really want to talk about until i've beaten it but uh one in game one game i did beat this week was a vr game um i recently picked up a a playstation vr 2 um I, I do like to. I do like VR a lot. It's to me, it it's just it's a very cool technology. It's a super unique way to play games, and so I was really excited for it. And one of the first games I, I bought with it was uh, Horizon: Call of the Mountain, which uh, for our listeners who are not like also playing on other platforms, um, this is a kind of VR half sequel to the original Horizon Forbidden West, or I'm sorry, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. And uh, it takes place between that game and its recently released sequel. And it's it's a great game, man. If, if you are on the fence about VR and you wanna see what this technology can do, like nowadays, it's an incredible experience. So the, the overall premise of this game is you are playing as this character named Reyes, who's he's kind of a minor character in the overall um, universe of the Horizon series. But basically um, there have been more reports of machines attacking settlements in this world and you are a prisoner and so you kind of have to do what they tell you. And so you're sent to go investigate. And the actual gameplay is really compelling. Um, It's a mixture of climbing in VR, and then first-person archery. Um, Both of those things have been done before, but they're done just really well here. Um, The climbing is really cool. It's it's really tangible because... uh, Of course, you know, like, you're, you're scaling these massive mountains and, you know, you have to look around and look for different things to grab onto and pull yourself up. There are, like, zip lines that you use to get around. Eventually, you'll unlock more tools, and it, the climbing kind of turns more into, like, puzzles where you have to f- kind of figure out, like, Ooh. okay, like, which tool do I use to scale this next, you know, bluff? Um, and then the the combat component is also really compelling. Um, you You physically, like, with your VR controllers... You physically like reach over your shoulder to like <laughs> grab your bow and then you reach over your other shoulder to grab your arrow and so it's like super immersive in that way um but one of the unique features of the playstation vr2 is it has eye tracking so when you are aiming with your bow and arrow in vr you you do physically aim with your hands but when you are, like, l- whatever you're looking at in the VR headset helps guide where your arrow goes. Oh. Like, it can track where you're looking. Um, so you'll just be, like, nailing, like, precise shots, like, and just feeling like, like a badass. Like, you have to to take down these, these giant robots. You have to target individual pieces of their armor on their body to, like, expose their weak points. And so you'll be, like, aiming at them, and then, like, you'll you'll look at like their knee plate or whatever and then your arrow will kind of whiz over there and it's just it's just a really cool experience.
1: It's something that I feel like you can only really do in VR. That does sound really compelling. I also have to say that the idea of there being so much emphasis on climbing in VR sounds awesome and very terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's it is a little I mean it, it, it can be disorienting.
0: Like I did have to take breaks because you know, like I played standing up, and you know you'll you'll be grabbing onto something, and you'll look down, and you'll just see nothing below you, but your feet are still planted on the ground in the real world, and so it can kind of throw you off a little bit. Um, I did get used to it um, over time, but it can definitely be a little bit more of a intense experience, I would say, if you're new to VR. Um, they do try and do some interesting things to alleviate um, some of the motion sickness that can sometimes happen with VR like for example um, when you're when you're moving like to just walk around there's a couple different options but the the really cool option is it's, it's cool to be it sounds kind of dorky in practice but you actually kind of swing your arms while you're like walking in place and it uses that to determine like how fast you're walking huh and it sounds it sounds strange but it does actually like do something in my brain at least to help me feel like i'm actually kind of walking and so the motion sickness was not as big of a factor
1: once i started using that huh i um, mean it's really cool just hearing about all the new tech going into vr <laughs> things like you mentioned the eye tracking and this idea of using the arms as a determinant of how fast you're moving um it makes it really exciting to think of what future developments we might get in that technology.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a really feature-packed headset. Um, it also, like, vibrates, so like the actual headset. So, like, if an enemy, like, flies over your head, you'll, like, feel a vibration. You'll be like, whoa, what? <laughs> like, where did that come from? Um, it's really cool. I, I would definitely urge people who are curious about it, if you have the funds for it, um, or if you have a friend who has it, it's it's worth checking out. Um, I just I hope we see more of the VR space soon. I I would really love to see like what Nintendo could do with some of their IP. You know, if they really were to take it seriously. I mean, I I really don't see it happening. But I mean, s- there's just so much potential for like, just imagine like a VR Metroid experience where you're <laughs> yeah. you know. Navigating all these dark, like like a VR version of Metroid Prime, you know, like something like that has the potential to be really cool, if they were to pull it off mm-hmm. correctly. um But yeah, I do. I, I have a lot of games on my backlog that I'm I'm trying to get through uh, in a very short amount of time because Advance Wars is coming out. We got Zelda right around the corner.
1: I mean, it's going to be a jam packed summer. Pikmin Pikmin's coming out in July. Mm-hmm. Oh, one thing actually, um, I completely forgot to mention this earlier the xenoblade 3 soundtrack is also releasing by like july 29th and it's going to have music from the expansion pass which also means we might be getting the xenoblade 3 like the final dlc story sometime in june or july on top of everything else coming out this summer ah i mean that would make sense it's about a year since that game has come out right so
0: um yeah that would be really cool i'm I can imagine what you'll be playing if, if
1: that <laughs> happens. <laughs> I mean, my favorite yeah. games are Breath of the Wild and Xenoblade. So it's going to be a busy yeah. summer.
0: <laughs> yeah, a very exciting summer for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm a little intimidated by just all these massive games. But I'm, I'm going to try and stay on top of them. Um, Tears of the Kingdom in particular, I'm going to be really curious to see, like, if it's, you know, it's really going to depend on how, you know, if there's a more linear progression to it or if it's just as free form in its overall story progression. Like that'll be a huge factor on probably how much time I spend with that game. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, we'll have Pikmin 4 in July to be a probably a significantly shorter, <laughs> shorter experience. <laughs> a bit of um, a break, to yeah. To kind of refresh, every, refresh everyone, yeah. Hat, refresh everyone. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks. Well, that's enough bad jokes and me stumbling my way through sentences for one week. Thank you so much for joining us and supporting our podcast. If you like what you hear, please go and rate us on your podcast platform of choice. Really helps the algorithm recommend our show to new listeners. So we really appreciate everyone who has done that for us so far. Um, Also, we're always open to suggestions if there's something you want to see drop us a line. Uh, Our email is in the show notes and we are always happy to hear from our listeners. Let us know what you'd like us to chat about in future episodes. And again, thank you everyone so much. We really appreciate all of our listeners and all of the support. We will be back at you next week with everything new and exciting in the world of Nintendo. See you guys next time.